Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of the Dungeon Cast has been brought to you by the new BattleZoo Bestiary on Kickstarter. BattleZoo Bestiary features 100 plus new monsters, monster hunting and crafting, the ability to play one of 44 different dragons, a level 1 through 11 pirate adventure, and a lot more for 5th edition. The new monster part system allows players to slay monsters and then turn those monsters into custom gear that levels up with the character. It's got new character archetypes like the Monster Mage and the Vestige Hunter that allow you to steal powers from monsters and use them for yourself. Don't forget that it's got playable dragons, 44 playable dragons. This project has some of the best writers and developers in the business working on them like Mark Cipher, Patrick Rennie, Ron Lundin, and Linda Zayas Palmer. Now's your chance to get in on this amazing Kickstarter. Go click the link in the description below. Hey everyone, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons. And today we are talking about Hive Mothers, Overseers, and Directors. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm also fantastic. That's uh, good. And before we get into today's I episode, uh, I just want to say we got some contest winners. We did it. Yeah, we well, did, they did it. it. They did it. Yeah, that's true. Um, we're giving away, we have been running a contest where we're giving away two copies of Fizzban's Chargery of Dragons. Uh, Fizzban. Pre ordered. Um, and we got a winner on Instagram and a winner on Twitter. So let's go ahead and announce them. Uh, shout out to our Twitter winner, Dr. Hat89. Twitter winner. Thanks for sharing the show, Dr. Hattie 89 Thanks for everyone else who also joined in on Twitter to share the show. And on Instagram, we got Admiral Bear Cub. So you, Way to go, Admiral Bear Cub. Thank you, Admiral Bear Cub. Uh, so you guys will be getting uh, your books ordered shortly, today, at some point, And you, it'll be delivered, I think, day of, which I think is October 19th. And uh, everyone else, we will be running more contests. We'll probably be announcing that in the upcoming episodes. But uh, let's get into the actual show. Yeah. and But when Will says by today, he means like a week ago when you hear this. Yeah. So, unless, exactly. you're, unless you're on Patreon. And then he means today. Indeed. So let's talk about D&D Monsters. Today we are covering not one, 
Not two, but three beholder slash beholder kin, because guess what? It's the year of the beholder. It's the year of the beholder. It's a year where we're just covering beholders once a month. Indeed. Instead of yeah, another basically. topic that we can I mean, be we're also building beholders. There's beholder we're, stuff going it's on. It's a beholder-themed year. Indeed. Um, I also have a special surprise monster for the end of the episode not stated in the title and that Brian knows nothing about. Oh. All three of these beholders and the special surprise at the end are featured most prominently in the Spelljammer setting. Um, They're also predicated on the concept of beholders not being extremely solitary as they're usually portrayed in D&D. These beholders work together in a hive, albeit in a lot of ways unwillingly. That being said, let's get into it, starting with the Hive Mother. Okay, so this is a beholder of some kind. Yeah, th- yes. All everything we're talking about today is beholder or beholder related. Even the thing that even the special even the surprise at the end. That you keep from me, William. Indeed, indeed. So, also known as ultimate tyrants or ultimates, hive mothers are extremely rare creatures that can be found ruling over entire communities of true beholders with both tyranny and cruelty. Through though considered beholder kin by humans or humanoids, beholders accept hive mothers as true members of their community, and neighboring creatures of other races even go as far as to sometimes mistakenly worship them as deities because they're so powerful. Hold up. Yes. I'm, bug- <coughs> I'm the bugs the bugs bunny meme. Just hold up. What's just what what up. meme? Just hold up. Okay. Are you saying that this hive mother like there's a lot of beholders in one place like yes, that? Yes, absolutely. How? Like, oh, we'll get into it. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about. It, yeah. How? Okay. I'm going to save a few of my questions because this is this is mind boggling. Yes. Me. You know, the, okay. I mean, yeah. yeah the, the, this has covered a lot of beholders <laughs> this year so far. So like, very, this is not in line. This is very specifically Spelljammer, but also it can fit in other settings. But it's predicated on the fact that um, the nature of the the three I'm talking about today kind of explains how the hive happens. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna get to it, but also. Um, uh-huh. No, let's just, yeah, let's, let's just get okay, to it. Let's I gotta it. stop. So a hive mother is larger than a typical beholder, measuring about 12 feet across. The average hive mother weighs 15,000 pounds. This massive sphere-shaped monstrosity is covered with spiny, razor-sharp plates of chitin and bone. The creature has cavernous, a cavernous maw filled with multiple rows of sword-like teeth larger than even that of a true beholder, which, as we all know, is a gaping maw. Yes, especially the ones we make at the end of episodes. Indeed. Um, A single huge eye protrudes from above the mouth, and above this eye, ten smaller eyes, but not upon eye stalks like that of its true beholder kin. Instead, each is recessed in a bony hood and are scattered across the upper surface of its sphere in a radial pattern. Tough mounds of flesh protect these eyes so that they are impossible to sever. Jeez, this thing is just a tank. Yeah, it's it's yeah, very tanky. Um, as with other beholders, these creatures are asexual and genderless. But hive mothers were first encountered by matriarchal elven societies in the distant past. This elven society assumed that the creatures were female because they led beholder communities, spawned offspring, and worshipped a deity known as the Great Mother. Now, for me, it's mostly the spawned offspring part probably makes you think, okay, they're they're mothers. Sure. Sure. Yeah, don't make that assumption on beholders. Never, never. Naturally, the elves named these creatures hive mothers. However, the beholder's own name for hive mothers is Kawahakru. Which translates more correctly as Spawner Boss, which I think is fucking amazing. These are both... Uh, Spawner Boss. The Kawakru and the Spawner Boss are t- actually two different bike gangs. Yeah, absolutely. In America. Yes, <laughs> in the United States. <laughs> Hive mothers have no specific female traits. So make no mistake, they're genderless. Yeah, so th- like other beholders, there is no 
That's it. They There's are, no boy girl beholder. Right. It's just a, or anything like, between. Like a that. Like a them. Or, yeah. Or like or an just, it. Or I prefer it, to call them it's well, quite creature, frankly because yeah. they suck. But that being said, <laughs> high brothers can and do directly control their beholder minions via psychic force. There's your answer. Okay. An average hive mother can hold 5 to 10 beholders or 5 to 20 beholder kin and or beholder abominations under their control at any given time. When doing so, they are in direct telepathic contact with these controlled creatures. If a hive mother loses control of a dominated beholder, the hive mother immediately senses the loss of control and knows the position and distance to the beholder at the time control was lost. If control does not return, the hive mother seeks out the rogue beholder to investigate and possibly to punish it. Why the fuck? This is funny that there's another theme of like beholders sort of being weak to like psychic energy, like or succumbing to it in some way. Like that's what defeats them. Like in several, <coughs> well now more there's than a one death piece kit. of lore. Well, not the death kiss. It's the the mind witness. Yeah, that one. So there's that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Is there is there other instances where they're weak to psychic or or hmm? Well, the other ones don't have story backstory like that. You yeah, know? so that's they're true. just like living in nature until they get. Sucked up by underdark monsters, right? Like Davy Jones's. I could, I, I see the connection. I see what you're, what you're saying there. And um, here's just yeah, another possible, layer. This possible. is my second clue onto this uh, this hypothesis. Indeed, that I've formed. we'll see. We'll see what the rest of the episode has for you in Indeed. store. Um, hive mothers prefer to let their minions do the fighting naturally, but when drawn into combat, they fight in a manner similar to beholders, firing eye rays on foes from a distance and against smaller opponents that don't seem to be uh, a present threat. A hive mother approaches in melee in order to eat them alive. Oh, yes. With that big old mouth. Cool. The central dominating eye of a hive mother generates a 240-foot anti-magic cone, which suppresses all magic and supernatural effects. This is 90 feet further than a normal beholder. Otherwise, Hive Mothers have the exact same eye abilities of their lesser kin. Hive Mothers are also immune to the command beholder ability of other Hive Mothers. Jeez, man. What um, the? <laughs> and they don't necessarily work together. So Okay. Yeah. Uh, final, fi- again, okay, so all three of the creatures that we're talking about have very little actually written, so I'm giving you everything I got. But the final bit of lore I have on the Hive Mother is that in the world of Spelljammer, Hive Mothers tend to be the captains upon tyrant ships capable of running their crews from a central location aboard the vessel. That you know, okay, that's space. fucking cool. Yes, exactly. <laughs> They're fucking space pirates. It's You're awesome. the fucking pirates of the Caribbean yeah. theme, but it's just a big chunky beholder. Exactly. Like job of the hut in it up in the cockpit. It's like Ah, do my bidding. <laughs> Indeed. Like, they're all floating down hallways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So, so you got any questions about the Hive Mother before we move on? This uh, it would make a great, like, uh, Star Trek sitcom spoof to, like, just have it be this shit. I would watch that show. Yeah. I would definitely like watch that show. Like on Adult Swim. <clears throat> yeah. Beholders in Space. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> just, that's the title. <clears throat> yep. Beholders. In space, indeed. So we're we're gonna move on to probably m- my second favorite creature of the night. Um, oh, what go, was the last one? The, was, what the, was the hive mother? The what hive was, mother was the first one we just talked about. No, was where does it rank in your in your? Ooh, it might be the it might be my bottom uh, uh, of of the four we're talking about today. Uh, it's hard because the next two we're talking about are inherently tied to the hive mother. So they, oh, okay. they, it's kind of a package deal. You'll, you'll see. So okay. next we're talking about the overseer. So next we're talking about overseers. Now, these guys are the least beholder looking beholders out there. It looks <laughs> okay. absolutely Lovecraftian. It is also tied very closely to the hive mother. And in fact, it is very unlikely for an overseer to exist without the presence of a hive mother. This creature 
Are you gonna look this up? You're looking this up, aren't you? Yeah, because okay. you, you specifically mentioned it's it's. Oh, it's massage. so Lovecraftian. Yeah, that first one right there. Oh boy. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna describe it, and then if you're not happy with my description, you go ahead and give it a shot. So this creature resembles a black rubbery tree of undulant flesh. Thick matted sheets of wiry fungus grow all over its surface. The trees, the trees, 13 gnarled branches, each end in buds that conceal a single large eye. One oversized limb serves as the spine or trunk of the tree. Three fanged maws gurgle lower on the tree's trunk, and it supports itself with a thick coiling mass of eight long tentacles. These tentacles allow them to move very slowly across the ground. Their skin fungus changes colors as the overseer desires, appearing mottled green, gray, or brown to match its surroundings. An overseer is normally around 15 feet tall, which is fucking massive, and weighs 4,000 pounds. Yeah, this thing's the worst. This, uh, yeah, it's the it's, worst, and I I would love to throw this against a party because it is horrifying. I know. I mean, it, so, it fits the Super Quest Saga like, theme, Oh yeah. so I'm going to think about it. So um, <laughs> check out Super Quest Saga. It's, a it's our space adventure. Space actual play. It's, it's our future fun. fantasy space adventure. So this one... This thing is an octopus with infinite, bad infinity trying to escape its, its brain and succeeding. It's it's like <laughs> Jubilix had a baby with an octopus. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like a spider webby <laughs> tree branch coming out of its forefinger. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's not a head. That's just a blob. <laughs> Deep. So. Overseers serve hive mothers as subordinates in larger beholder communities, similar to the way humanoid rulers employ others as guards or governors. The rare overseer that does not belong to a beholder community seeks out societies of other creatures to infiltrate and dominate from behind the scenes. An overseer is uncomfortable without a large number of subservient minions to tend to its real and or imagined needs. Overseers serve as officers or foremen in the hive. Each overseer possesses power similar to that of a hive mother and control the and can control the actions of five to ten standard beholders or five to twenty beholder kin. Unlike hive mothers, however, overseers can only control creatures of the same type. Thus, one overseer can control death kisses or directors, but uh, not a combination of the two beholder types. Thus, one can calculate that if an exceptionally influential hive mother can control up to 20 overseers, and each of these overseers can in turn control up to 20 beholderkin, there is a theoretical maximum of 421 monsters in one hive. Such a concentration could spell the doom for an entire civilization. Oh, man, this bro. Is some, this is some big, <laughs> this is some crazy shit right here. Oh, man. Like, that's a hive. 420 <laughs> beholderkin and slash overseers slash hive mothers. That's a powerful vessel. Yeah, it's a powerful vessel. That's a lot of that's a lot of beams it's fucking a, moving through the ether, bro. It's a lot ether, of bro. beams, man. No. Indeed, yeah. Okay. So many beams. What? So what? Oh, well, uh, are we gonna get to like the deployment and like the like why are they all on the ship together? No, not really. It doesn't really. Nothing really covers that. <laughs> We're not just, covering sp- whatever spell. Spell jammer is, is spell in jammer space. Everything episode. has a spaceship. Deal with it. Everything is on a spaceship. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Except for when it's not. Except for when it's not. Unlike most other Beholderkin, Overseers have a large number of physical attacks that they can use in melee combat to create effect. I mean, do you see all the tentacles? I, I, they can use them all. Yeah. <laughs> they're, all, they're all usable uh, appendages. Indeed. Let's do it. Nevertheless, they prefer to let their minions handle such crude activities as melee combat and concentrate on using their eye rays against enemies. An Overseer's greatest weakness is its lack of mobility. When faced with a foe that uses greater mobility to stay out of range of its eye rays, an Overseer typically retreats to plot revenge on its own terms. Most Overseers keep at least one magic item that allows some form of teleportation handy for just such an event. That is, this is a dope, uh, like, little fight scene they've kind of played mm-hmm. out. Like, 
It's like this giant tree monster, probably with a few boulder minions around it. You're trying to get to it. And once once you take out its minions and it starts taking damage, it's like, peace. It's, it's black inky tentacle pulls out like a, a transporter device and it's out. I know. It's just like firing lasers in the back. Yeah. Telling people what to do. Indeed. That's scary. Um, each of the director's 13 small eyes can produce a magical ray. And I really like these rays because they're mostly completely different from a beholder. So Okay, good. It can fire five at a time, which is super impressive. That's a um, lot. The 13 eye rays include Chain Lightning Ray, Crushing Despair Ray, Dominate Person Ray, Greater Dispel Magic Ray, Hold Monster Ray, Major Creation Ray, Polar Ray, Reactive Spell Immunity Ray, Reactive Spell Turning Ray, Stunning Ray, Suggestion Ray, Telekinesis Ray, and Temporal Stasis Ray. I don't even know what like two of those meant. Yeah. A lot of them are, are, I mean, I could pull up the old book. What this is a reactive spell. Immun- like- reactive spell immunity sounds great. That sounds great. <laughs> Greater dispel magic. Yeah, they're just, they're reactive uh, rays. Spell turning? Is that That's like? A, it's counterspell. That's what that is. Okay. So, so they have counterspell ray, basically. So spell immunity and counterspell. Yeah. Like just turn yes. the whole thing off. Yes, yes, yes. That was be- Now, these be things must have been a bitch to fight back in, in, in second edition. Well, which yeah. Is where but how, ma- how many of these were there to, like, the foot soldiers? Like, 20 to, to one of these? Okay, yeah. So let's say you theoretically let's do like a whole hive creation, right? So you have one hive mother, and she can. We'll say she probably has like two or three overseers, and each overseer has like five to twenty dudes. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about like a hundred, a hundred deep. It's a bee's nest of pain, indeed. Like that's that's a dungeon crawl that I would not want to be part of, dude. All the guards are just (laughs) fucking. What are the passive percepts on beholders? Like, like it's high. I don't it's know. Super duper high because of all really? the eyes. Yeah. Well, you know, I imagine there's gonna be a lot of beholder kin, but let's just focus on the beholder here because I am very curious about its passive, um, passive perception. Like you said. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. That's not. I mean, that's not low. Is that its passive? That's that would be its passive. No, its passive is twenty-two. Oh, I see that. That's very high. Yeah, oh, so shit. Yeah. Passive perception 10. is. Yeah. yeah, 12 plus 10. So, yeah. Yeah. Good luck sneaking through. Shit, man. Let's take a short rest. Let's do it. <laughs> this episode of the Dungeon Cast has been brought to you by the new BattleZoo Bestiary on Kickstarter. BattleZoo Bestiary features 100 plus new monsters, monster hunting and crafting, the ability to play one of 44 different dragons, a level 1 through 11 pirate adventure, and a lot more for 5th edition. The new monster part system allows players to slay monsters and then turn those monsters into custom gear that levels up with the character. It's got new character archetypes like the Monster Mage and the Vestige Hunter that allow you to steal powers from monsters and use them for yourself. Don't forget that it's got playable dragons, 44 playable dragons. This project has some of the best writers and developers in the business working on them like Mark Seifer, Patrick Rennie, Ron Lundeen, and Linda Zayas Palmer. Now's your chance to get in on this amazing Kickstarter. Go click the link in the description below. We've returned. Indeed we have. And uh, we got we got two more beholder related topics to cover. Um, That's right, because you you're keeping one from me. I am keeping one from you. That's right. You see that blue text? You scroll up. I'm I don't not, want you reading a goddamn thing. I'm not upset or anything. Okay, cool. You're gonna be very happy. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all in one e commerce platform to their in person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. You're going to be very pleased. I'm not right now. But you're not right now. Okay, well, let's talk about directors. I'm not hiding these guys from you. Okay. Directors are another beholder kin. They serve as cavalry units for beholder hives and cities. Their ability to bond with and completely control their quote-unquote, vermin mounts, makes them invaluable as troops in wars against enemies of other races. Is this some capybara riding motherfuckers? <laughs> Not exactly. So in third edition, vermin was a category monster defined as an invertebrate such as an insect, arachnid, arthropod, Arthropod or worm. So they these ride are giant spider bugs. riders? Yeah, these are spider riders. Whoa. So yeah, I'll, we don't need to float. No, they spiders. don't. They can, but they don't need to. So this bloated sphere of green flesh is armored with hundreds of interlocking chitinous plates. Six stocked eyes rise atop the sphere, and three cruelly barbed tentacles trail below. You should pull up an image of one. Um a single eye stares from one side of the sphere, just above a maw filled with needle-sharp teeth. Directors are about six feet in diameter. An average director can weigh up to 1,800 pounds. So essentially, these guys have some, like, dangling sharp tendrils. Um, yeah, that's not a good image. Let me see if I can pull up a good image. Sorry, guys. Give me one second. Uh, director. 
I know there was a there was a really oh, good one. Because I keep typing in Maybe go to for, e, so I, Oh I yeah, go to Forgotten Realms. Here we go. The Forgotten Realms wiki. No, that's not a good one. That's not a good one at all. Let's see here. Is this a good one? Oh, here we go. This is the one. It's from third edition. It's from the Lords of Madness uh, book. Um, so if you see, it's got these really sharp barbed tendrils that yeah, kind of hang like longer than its actual spherical body below it. What it does is it latches on and wraps up a creature and then takes over its mind psionically. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very scary. Uh, you're gonna need to say I can't. What did you type in? Director. I, I just uh, director Boulder. Okay. Yeah. So I need to save that. Yeah. This is yeah. This is from Lords of Madness, the 3.5 um, supplemental book, which is where I got a lot of information for this guy. So back to back to lore. So um. Although a director has several potent eye rays, it can also inflict terrible wounds with its bite and tentacles, like those suckers are sharp. Most directors avoid combat unless they have a bonded mount. When bonded with a vermin, they control their mount and use their eye rays to deadly effect. Directors have six eye rays, a burning ray, an invaneration ray, a force missile ray, a freezing ray, a minor image ray, and a slow ray. Furthermore, a director's central... Yeah, furthermore, a director's central eye emits a strange invisible field of force that surrounds the creature's body and the body of its bonded vermin mount, if it has one. This field grants both creatures a deflection bonus to their armor class. Holy smokes, man. Like, the slow ray sounds dope. That's a really powerful yeah. spell. Yeah. The thing is, again, force missile. this is cavalry. So we're talking like a squad of at least five of these dudes on, on mounts. Rolling deep. On giant centipedes. Skittering around. Skittering around. Like, you're going to find these guys in the Underdark. Like that's a that's a hell of a fight. The hallway of pain. The hallway of pain. Um, dude, I wish I had more lore on these guys. I don't. This is really all that is really said about them. Yeah. And this is across like four sources. This is really all you get. You know, um, uh, this it's like the Matrix with uh, those um, the, the squid monsters that the robots send. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers for the Matrix. <laughs> uh, I mean, there, there might be actually they're real spoilers for the Matrix because there might be people that are going to watch the fourth one that have never seen. The if, Matrix. Okay, yeah. If you that's are happening. okay, hold God on. Bless this Keanu Reeves. Unrelated to D and D, I got something to say. If you are about to watch the fourth Matrix and you have never seen the first one, you done fucked up. No, well, n- number one, go go and see the first one, but don't look anything up. I hope you haven't been overly exposed to Matrix because I remember. I think I'm. I must have been like 14 years old the first time I saw it, and I literally knew nothing about it. And it to this day was the most visceral and memorable single movie uh, watching moment in my entire life. I didn't know what to expect going in and it blew me away. And, you know, at this point, like, it, it you know, yeah, it's been over, like, overhyped. You know what I mean? The Matrix is a little overhyped. And uh, I don't know, man. It's my favorite movie. Of, is like, it really? Time. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I, it's up there. It's in my top 10. Like, yeah. I love The Matrix, the, the first one. And again, if you don't watch the fourth one until you've seen the first one, and if you haven't seen anything about the first one, like, you're very lucky. Don't look up anything. Just go watch the movie. The Back se- to Beholders. The second one is, like, wildly underrated also. I like two and three. I understand why they're controversial. But this is too. not a movie podcast, no, Brian. Sorry. What are we doing? Well, kind of. They're, they're using... The reason I brought that up, spoilers yeah. for the third one, like the, the machine city is sending those robots in mm-hmm. and they, they got the little feet all over like, like oh the, yeah, the it, is, it is kind of reminiscent of that. That yeah. is a cool thing you can do in your D&D game. I'm in, into it. Like if you're having a horde of these guys come at you, mm-hmm. you have like anti-artillery like yeah. shit mounted up that mm-hmm. you have to like blast these fools with. That'd be cool. I Under like Underdark Castle with cannons mounted. <laughs> Hell yeah. Just I'm recreate the Matrix. Yeah, absolutely. The Matrix, what is the third one called? Not uh, 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 revolutions. Revolutions. Okay, back to beholders. Okay. 
It's honorable mention time, Brian. And the fourth creature, don't scroll. You stay there. Okay. The the last creature we're talking about today is a being called the Aster Eater. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> The Aster. No, the, why did you do this? Because why did you do it this? Too on the show? good. No, no, no. This creature is amazing. By it the way, it was too good. Well, stop, bro. Pull like, up. No. God damn it! You got to hear about this. The, I, I had to read this. You have to hear it. I scroll down. Yeah, you can scroll down now. Okay. <coughs> oh my god. <laughs> So it says the Aster Eater. It does. It does. That is so close to Ass Eater. Yeah, I know it is. Oh. That's the joke. Okay. The Aster Eater, <laughs> in general, Beholders and Beholdergan are very oh, intelligent and me. conceited, uh, which is precisely why all of them deny any relation to the Aster Eater. Stop it. <laughs> can't keep saying that. Though the podcast is rated R for sure. <laughs> it always has been, but... The, but. It always has been. Let's not pretend. <laughs> Though technically a beholderkin, the Aster Eater has none of the intelligence. I gotta tell you about yeah, this thing. Yeah. The Aster Eater has none of the intelligence or magical abilities <laughs> its cousins possess. <laughs> it's like it's only got one thing on its mind. Can't think of anything else. This is so fucking wild. Dude, I have more lore in this thing than any of the others. That's oh, what's bet. hilarious. Why does that make sense to me? <laughs> what are these writers doing? In appearance, the Aster Eater resembles a large beholder, minus the eye stalks, with one other major difference. The skin of the creature is virtually identical in appearance and consistency to rock. Like the beholder, uh, Aster Eaters have a large central eye and large mouth filled with pointy teeth. You really need to slow down when you're saying that. Um, Aster Eaters <laughs> speak their own language, which consists of very few words. <laughs> they rarely hold a conversation with anything. Um, the rock-like skin of this creature protects it very well. With its eye and mouth shut, the Aster Eater is almost identical to an asteroid in appearance, and the creature is virtually impervious to any but very powerful or magical attacks. The Aster Eater's <laughs> normal methods of attack is to hide at the edge of an asteroid field and wait for passerbys to wander too close. It then attacks using its huge mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet it does. God damn it, wizards. <laughs> Fuck. Who wrote Spelljammer? <coughs> yeah, god damn it, Spelljammer. Um, like all Beholderkin, Astro Eaters are hateful and cruel. Look at this thing's fucking face. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's I fucking okay, love this creature. Which, which one that, should I pick? Uh, this one right here. This one? Yeah. Okay. There's it's your like, Astro Eater. It's a really low-res image, so sorry, everybody. <clears throat> like all Beholderkin. I've decided to edit them into the show, Will. Awesome. Aster Eaters are hateful and cruel. They cooperate neither with each other or anyone else unless it's of great benefit to themselves. Aster Eaters hoard no treasure as they have no need for such trifles. However, in their in the bellies of these creatures, particularly older ones, there's usually a fair amount of incidental treasure that the creature cannot digest. In older Aster Eaters, it is common to find dozens of coins, various weapons, and useless metal odds and ends, and possibly no. some magical <laughs> items and potions. The Aster Eater cannot digest glass or <laughs> I don't know if I can digest class either. Why is that like <laughs> Okay. God, there's still two more paragraphs, bro. No. Um, an extremely rare but notable exception to the normal solitude 
of the Astro Eater is their occasional association with small groups of GIF. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this weird fact. It has been observed that Astro Eaters sometimes act as leaders of GIF platoons because of the militaristic nature of the GIF and their aversion to serve anyone but their own kind. A GIF platoon serving under an Astro Eater is typically no larger than 10 GIF. The association is generally little more than enslavement. It's been observed that this usually happens when an Astro Eater encounters a GIF mercenary platoon that is weak from battle and low in numbers. In this case, the Astro Eater has little trouble domineering the mercenaries. It is unknown why the creatures choose GIF as their slaves. Perhaps it is due to the GIF's natural penchant for servitude. If you don't remember who the GIF are, it's because we haven't really talked about them that much. We've brought them up before because I just looked yeah, up the name. Yeah, they're the hippo people. Right. I Yeah, distinctly... and they're like hippo space mercenaries. And we've already done the, don't, it's not, he's not we're, no one's saying GIF or GIF yeah, Yankee. Yeah. No, you know, no, Like it's, they're saying GIF. Yeah, we've it's GIF with an F, yeah, F, 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 okay. F. So, yeah, not the GIF. I'm going to use the this GIF. black and white image because <laughs> I think it's the funniest <coughs> one. It's yeah, it's a good one. From Spelljammer. Yeah, but for some reason, these dudes will serve Aster Eaters. <laughs> as for, a rule. For leftovers? Or? No, as a rule, beholders <laughs> are a vicious species holding great wars of extermination among their own kind. Whole communities of beholders are casually destroyed as a matter of course. Um, oh, this is this is just leftover. Hold it, but oh, but the hatred of the beholder race is greater still when directed toward aster eaters. Uh, Beholders see aster eaters as large <laughs> blots against them, and they stop at nothing to destroy what they consider to be vile errors of creation. Yeah, because these guys are doing—they're eating it like groceries, and this these dudes are like, stop. That's not who we are. That's not who we are. We look at you shit. You are not a representation of us. We look at shit. You are <laughs> tasting it. You tasted it. So, you got any, any questions about Astro Eaters, Brian? I got to quit the show. I'm sorry. I think we need to take a long rest. I'm crying. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Long Rest. This is the part of the episode where we cuddle. <laughs> is it? Is it? Uh, up into bed. Oh, okay, with our slippies. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha, and gotcha. no one eats any ass. Uh, Dur eaters. Dur eaters. Wait. <laughs> aster. It's eating aster. It, no, it looks like an asteroid, and it eats things. It eats it's things. A, it's a very poorly named creature. It looks like. You know the creator knew what they were doing. Oh. And they thought it was fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah, because it is. Okay, so um, what are we doing? Uh, Patreon.com slash the dungeon cast. This is the best way to support us. Please go there and see what there is to see. Yeah, we got a lot of bonus content. And yeah, it really is the best way. If you guys like the show and want to support us, go to Patreon. It's the best way to do that. You get stuff for doing it too. Indeed. And we didn't even have to. Yeah. Straight up. Mm -hmm. But there's a fuck ton of it there. Yeah, there's a lot. Episode notes. More coming. I got a project next year that uh, I'm not going to talk about yet. Yeah. But uh, it's coming. Early episodes is the main thing. Um, Ad free. Uh, go check it out. <laughs> and uh, we sell merch. Yeah, that's another way to support us. If you if you like the show and you want to you want to support it, you want to show it off, you want to tell the world, go buy a Dungeon Guest shirt. Go buy a Dungeon Guest hat. We got a merch store. It's in the description. It's at teespring.com. Yeah. Which I think it's just spring.com now. I think they changed it on us. It's no longer, they took out the T. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't. The I kept calling it tree spring and like uh, they were like, okay, Brian, we're going yeah. oh, to okay, this one up for you. Gotcha. But yeah. yeah, we got, we got, we got stickers, I think there. We got masks if you want to go that route. Like we got a bunch of stuff. Um, it helps support the show and it all looks really good. So go check it out. Yeah, definitely do that. Okay. Um, this, uh, this 
is the part of now the part of the show in the long rest, the part within the part where we're going to. <laughs> I would normally do like a beholder fact. Indeed. Um, but I think we should just like instead we get got we have a beholder fuck. Yeah, we got a beholder fuck up to yeah. call ourselves out on. We continually fuck it up, and thank thank God that we have the hobble man. Indeed. Uh, like all of them, like Pelor and Bahamut and Moradin and Coralon and Sunni. What, what's going on? Uh, I'm thanking all the gods for Hobbleman. Oh, I see. I understand. I thought we fucked up on all those episodes. I almost had a heart attack. Yeah. No, Hobbleman <laughs> is like, your count is off, my, my dudes. Yeah, we're and off by one, right? We were off. Uh, we're just going to go over all of it um, and make sure that we got it right. So here are the notes. Uh, so the Hobbleman was kind enough to send me. Uh, and yes, that that Hobbleman. Thank you, Hobbleman. Uh, sent me like the updated, like I was trying to keep an Excel spreadsheet and then I was doing it wrong. <laughs> so great. Uh, but here, he, he did it for me. Thank you. Because it's like kind of took it upon himself to draw these things. And I'm so Indeed. eternally grateful. Indeed. Uh, and you can see those in um, the in Discord, Discord or on Twitter. Or on Twitter. I've been retweeting them. Nice. That's cool. Uh, definitely get to know the Hobble Man in, in Discord, one of our mods. All right. So what what's the dealio? Episode 218 is where it all began. Okay. Um, the eye beam was the roar beam. And uh, the eye opens up into a mouth and stills fear. Physical characteristic is a golden mane around its whole body. Uh, then we had the basilisk episode. Is this is this uh, which beholder is this? Is this the first one? No, that's not cruel eyes. Oh, this must have been the second one. I think. Well, he sent it to me because we fucked it up. So. Oh. oh my goodness! Now I need to go back to the fucking um, the schedule and because maybe <laughs> maybe did he start no, it from number one? Leonin should have been like that. That was a long cruel time ago. Cruel eyes, headshot. Okay, so that is the first that one. Is so this Leonin's. is the first one. So okay, we're describing cruel eyes. Go ahead. Okay. Um, then we had sorcerer, draconic, sorcerer. Oh yeah, sorcerer episode, draconic and clockwork. I beam is the math beam with algorithms yes, that causes okay. confusion. Yeah. Physical characteristic was the beak of a dragon turtle. Uh, then we had the I beam. Or we had yeah. deities and demigods, Sunni. We had a beautification beam, a stream of magical hearts. And a long, luscious eyelash. Oh, yeah, because you, you wrote here love beam, but yeah, it was a beautification beam. Right. That's what it ended up being. Okay. Um, then 223, Archfey and Genie Warlock, Tornado Eye Beam. Uh, that's very cool. And oh, he's Snow jumping around. He's jumping around because, yeah, these aren't in order that he's giving it to us. Where's the Genie? Because, yeah, we did, we did the Clockwork Soul, and then two episodes later we did Suni, and then... Two episodes after that, we did the genie. Okay, I see it right here. Uh, and then, so next one was the carry-on crawler. We had the brain juice beam, paralysis beam with green nasty juice. Mm -hmm. And the physical characteristic was the compound eye. 225. Uh, so I'm confused. He's, he, he's just giving us everything. He's not giving us what we messed up. Well, this is the correct where they were. Right. So we, this is, we didn't mess up on Cruel Eyes. <coughs> no, we didn't. I'm just reading them. Okay. This is my beholder fact. You go ahead. Um, so then, where was I? Trans 225's Transformation Raid Polymorph Wild Shape Beam, uh, and then the drums of Jumanji played. I forgot about that. <laughs> mm. The, uh, the worm from Alice in Wonderland, Absalom Hookah. Oh yeah, it smoked a hookah. It did. These are like his drawing notes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, Mystery Beam was the next one. Darkness Beam, Thick Fog, Juicy Darkness. <laughs> Gorilla DeVille Feathered Black Cloak. That was good. Mm-hmm. And then 228 was the honorific headshot. Hoof beam, uh, beam of light shaped of a horse leg with hoof. 
229 was Augury Beam, the Woe Beam. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Woe Beam. Being infused with uh, with wild magic, 1% that it exploded, 1% chance of it exploding. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And that was cruel eyes. Okay, was cruel so eyes. our next one was Skynet. <laughs> Skynet. <laughs> Thank you for saying it right. <laughs> yeah. So it started with Edder Caps, it had a web beam, thick beam of webbed rope, splats, and then it had segmented spider leg tentacles. Gotcha. I don't think we got to go over the episode names. Let's just let's just hit the beams and the feature. Beams and feature. Okay, Ray of Ultimate Mercy revives someone. Uh, a hand at the end of the eye stalk in the <laughs> eye palm, and then the feature was a Naruto headband with an eye. Oh my uh, God. Okay. A member of the Eye of Shadows. Uh, the next beam was a party beam for satyrs, strobe lights, party music, alcohol, and sweat. <laughs> nice. And then the feature was the goat legs, the infamous goat oh, legs that we can't let go. Nasty goat legs. Furry legs, legs with hooves, not functional. Dangle from the chin. So gross. <laughs> That's a good description. Mm -hmm. Remoraz's had bite and swallow beam, just a Remoraz mouth devouring tentacle. I remember and then that. Remoraz two fan like frills up on the side, like butterfly frills almost. Uh, then we had Bards with T-800 beam, spawns Terminator body with that, gazer heads. This is where we ended up with Skynet. It was because of this. Yes. The center of its eye is a red bionic eye on that tentacle. And then mm. the knife blade teeth um, for the sword bard. Oh, its okay. teeth were just knives. Like, oh, they were shaped like little swords. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, Sylvanas had a tree beam, uh, spurts trees like the villager in Super Smash Bros. with watering can. Uh, and I don't even remember that. Bark skin. Uh brown gray wrinkled like an ancient oak and then otiug had the stink beam a real nasty smell beam oh, the central beholder eye is on a mushroom like stock comes to an almond shape with three eyeballs no central eye i think i need to relook at that art piece that i don't remember it's a good one yeah it got crazy because of this next one uh, the aquaman ray echolocation oh beam. yes uh, all sea and animals the fucking nearby dolphin body. we did this thing again with uh with rick the Grick rancher uh we were it, this one had the Aquaman beam, but then we made a Grick beam that was just like oh, the Aquaman yeah, yeah, beam. Oh, yeah, 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 uh, So instead of round, uh, you make it tubular like a dolphin. Dolphin tail, so holder on the dolphin body. So disgusting. It's the arachnopod part. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, Skynet, the arachnopod. That the was sequel. The, the sequel. Oh, Jesus. The sequel to... It's the second Beholder we made. So yeah. it was the sequel to Cruel Eyes. Uh, Slotty got the Chaos uh, Phaedre and the gemstone on the forehead. So it make you sick. With uh, didn't that put an animal in the body or whatever, like alien style? What? What did the slotty beam do? Um, Chaos phase ray. Oh yeah, it turned you into a slot. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, Cy Warrior episode of Bulwark Beam. So that's where we broke Cy Warrior. Okay. Bulwark Beam. It can fire itself or an ally. Gives cover. Psy Shield. Um, it's had a psionic glowing middle eye. Okay. That was Skynet, the Merciful, the Arachnopod, the sequel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was his full name. Awesome. All right. Okay. So. And now, now here we're on. I think Rick is done. Rick is done. And he's the one we messed up on. We added the minion goggles to him and it on our end, it. but that he didn't need it. He was already finished. Thank goodness. Yeah. So he he never ended up a minion. Save my Even though boy. they're not minion goggles, or they're uh, um, like futuristic like I know it, goggles. I know what they what you wanted them to be, yeah. but then they became like a solo one. Yeah, it's like a, a like on goggle. a minion. I didn't even realize those guys wore goggles. <laughs> That's what they do to minions. Okay, interesting. <laughs> okay, so we got the Grick episode that yes. started it all. Grick whistle, rancher whistle, summons any Grick within a mile radius. A whistle on the back of the eye stock. This is, we're really getting under our groove now. Yes. You can tell. Uh -huh. uh, rancher cowboy hat, strategic holes for eye sockets, 10-gallon hat. 
the Ixitatital episode had the vampiric beam and three-parted jaw mouth. Will was not a part of that. No, it wasn't. Eldritch Knight episode was the buff eye arm stocks. Or sorry, the buff arm eye stocks, which I really love. Uh-huh. I've seen the drawing. <laughs> yes. Byakugan style veins. Um which just didn't come out like how I thought it would. They look like big weenies. But it's a it's great. <laughs> um God damn it. Weapon bonded sword beam. Eye stock wrapped around a sword, throws sword. Yeah, sure. Um Target has a target reticle, sorry, reticle, aster eater in the eye. Uh, Grells, uh, one tentacle is a grell tentacle, (laughs) skinnier and longer tentacle, ends in barbs. Uh, Paralytic venom injection for the beam. Uh, Graviturgy, chronergy, Uh, pain black rods and arms piercings, so those little black bars. And then the beam was reality break beam, random, uh, randomly, random. Places, (laughs) randomly place targets into different planes of existence and time periods. Sorry, my brain broke for that sentence. Uh, The eye is a crystal prism. So Twilight Domain, eyes of night, central eye does not have a pupil made of Milky Milky Way swirl in the eye. Uh, And then the beam was a twilight shroud, gives cover, buffs the Grix. Nice. Um, Loxodon and Vidalcan had blue, we gave the beholder blue skin. we gave it an elephant trunk eye stock with keen smell, sense water, sense gricks. Yeah. <laughs> Load in blow darts in the trunk. <laughs> so stupid. That's so dumb. There was this uh, Reddit argument <coughs> about how blow darts were like the best, <clears throat> or darts were like the best weapon, range weapon in the game. Oh, really? That's yeah, I, it was funny. Because um, I, I saw the, like, on the gram, I saw Instagram's, like, version of the fight being, like, posted. Oh, interesting. Uh, it, was, it was wild. Okay. Anyway, um... The Twilight Domain had Twilight Shroud Beam and Eye of the Night, Milky Way Swirl and Eye. Did we do that twice? Yeah. Oh, dang. We just gave it a double Milky Way. Wait, why? For, for Twilight? Oh, Twilight Domain is here twice. I'm okay, yeah, one. I know. Okay, so that that was his mistake. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what? then the Soul Knight Rogue, uh, Psychic Veil Beam, Psychic Static for Invisibility, wields a Psychic Blade sheathed in its side for the feature. But maybe... Oh no, he yeah, he said he made <laughs> sorry, I opened up the one later on he sent me one and he said he made, I made a mistake. So my bad. I see where it happened. So for the Soul Knife Rogue, wait, where did we mess up? Yeah, the Soul Knife Rogue had Psychic Veil, Psychic Beam, Twilight Domain, Starlight Swirl. Okay, we're good. So the Grung was the last one. Okay. It was water dependent. Rick is in a hot tub. <laughs> yeah, that's I've the seen feature. The art. It's the, great. The beam is frog tongue, sticky hand from one uh, of the eye stocks. Yes, I Poisons saw that. Can, and that was the final it one. It can grab Grix. Okay, <laughs> so that's that's Rick the Grick Rancher. He's yes. done. Rick and the so, Grick Rancher. He's hot tubbing at the end yeah, instead absolutely. of minioning. That's great. Yes. Um, the the next one is the Fae Wanderer and Horizon Walker, and I think the feature was my goggle and the what was the what was the ray? Do you remember? Your your Misty Dan Ray? What was it? Um, what was my Misty Dan Ray? That was funny because I was just listening to this before he came over. Oh, okay, yeah. I figured you might remember because you would have come up with it. What did Misty Dan do? Maybe it was like a um, maybe it, I don't was know. it a Fey Portal Ray? Did I write it down? No. Oh, I'm such a piece of trash. <laughs> my God, what's wrong with me? I was uh, yeah, I was looking and it's not written down. Okay, well, <laughs> I guess whatever. That's that's what we're starting off with for okay. this new beholder. <laughs> okay. Um, um, did he give me, maybe he gave it to me and I'm, um, nope. Nope. Because he stopped. He stopped. He just wanted you to know that Grick did not have a goggle. Also, he called himself semi-official, bro. 
you are so much more than semi-official on this now. All right, guys. I think we can call it a game. (laughs) We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.